Hey Rippers, are you learning how to surf? But have you got a clue? Or are you a big old kook? Since there's a million ways to kook it, you should stick around and learn a few things. Because if you don't know, let me tell you right now that surfers love to spot a kook. But don't get all stressed about it, because everyone kooks it once in a while. And that's the reason we started KookCast. Because the more you know, the less you'll kook it. <laughs> so bust out your swimmies and get ready to learn. KookCast is here to lead you on your journey out of kookdom one episode at a time. And hopefully, offer you some traction on this slippery slope between kookery and killing it. I'm your host, Coach Chris, and I started the surf coaching and education resource, thesurfcontinuum.com. So this week on the show, we have the sweetest guest. Her name is Emmy Cook, and she started the nonprofit organization Beyond the Surface International, which works with the youth of small fishing villages to support social, ecological well-being, nurture resilience thinking, and promote natural cultural heritage through surfing, storytelling, and mindfulness workshops. Basically engaging the youth with their communities and helping them cultivate attuned, caring relationships with themselves, society, and their marine environment. This is really important work, and it's really beautiful work, so you should really check out her website, beyondthesurfaceinternational.org, and if you are so inclined, you can even reach out to her. She gave me her email address to share with those that would like to, among other links as well. So head over to thesurfcontinuum.com forward slash beyond the surface and you can, you know, get in touch with her and see all those links. And last of all, big shout out to Nicole, captain of the fall surf team for making the introduction and basically making this episode happen. All right, without further ado, let's go. Hi, Chris. Can you hear me? Hi, Emmy. I can hear you. Yay. Sorry, my um, internet takes a little bit to connect. <laughs> Not at all. Not at all. Well, it's coming in nice and clear, so it seems all right to me. Okay, good. That's that. <laughs> the, the internet deities are on our side today. <laughs> yeah. Well, <laughs> let's not speak too soon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Fair enough. Good. Oh, <laughs> uh, thanks well, so thank much for... So uh, I was going to just say thank you for, for inviting me on. It's, it's same, really a pleasure to be here. <laughs> yeah, same sentiment going on here. Um, so, so stoked to get to talk to you and, and learn more about you. you. It looks like so many great, awesome things you're doing, so I can't wait to hear from you personally because it's always nice to hear from the person themselves as opposed to what you read that other people say about them, you know? Right, right. <laughs> well, I really enjoyed learning about the surf continuum and I was looking at your methodology and it's so rad. And especially having like a podcast like this is, I think it's like a, there's ample space for more, you know, just kindness, I think, in the surf and learning to surf. Totally. And, and yeah, I love what you guys are doing. Oh, thanks so much. Yeah, the goal is like to, to bring a little of the structure we all know exists because we've been doing it for so long but the way we learned wasn't necessarily the most um, <laughs> welcoming, let's say. Yeah. You know? <laughs> I think welcoming is a good word. <laughs> yeah, you had to have pretty tough skin, you know. I mean, I know when I was a kid, it was just like, you just keep your head down. I, yeah. You know, when I think back on it sometimes, I am kind of impressed with myself to just having showed up again to the beach after some of those yeah. situations. <laughs> <laughs> oh, of course. 
of course. Yeah, I I I grew up in like yeah, Southern California and in San Diego and and this one spot that I would go, it was like a parking lot and there was a group of, you know, like the older kids and I was like, oh god, I want to be friends with them because, you know, they're the ones that are, you know, that taking all the waves and like and how do I get into that group? And yeah, it's 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 tough. It's a really it's a tough sport to kind of enter sometimes. Totally. Um, well, what, yeah. so why don't you tell me a little bit more about that beginning phase of, of surfing for you? And that's the, I find a lot of interest in that, especially for the sake of the show too. But naturally anyway, it is kind of fascinating. Like, how did you bowl your way through all those hard parts and the walls that kind of want to keep yeah. you out in a way? Um, and yeah. just kind of, I don't know, like see it through and, and just get where you are now. Cause I'm, I know you're a confident, great surfer now. Well, I'm, I feel like I'm always learning. <laughs> that part I don't think ever goes away, which is kind of nice. Um, but yeah, so I, my dad was a lifeguard in Southern California and in San Diego where I grew up. So I, um, I had that, uh, you know, I guess head start in terms of like always, you know, being in the water, mm. um, playing in the ocean, like with different tools, like whether it's a board or, or just swim fins and, and such. So um, I, I think he put me on a board when I was like two or so, but I didn't really get into surfing until I realized I was better at surfing than I was at like school. <laughs> so, um, and I have like, you know, like ADHD and some learning disability. So, um, I realized that I was just like better at, 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 you know, moving quickly in the water to catch waves and, and always reading waves. It was just like really something that I was just like fascinated by. So. Um, I was about 13 when I started to, to surf, like to, to really get hooked on it. And, um, my dad taught me, um, at one of our local beaches, but then, um, I started going regularly after school, um, to this one spot called Tourmaline. Um, and yeah, it's like a parking lot and, um, everybody just parks and, and goes to surf. Um, and of course there was like a group of kids that were like really good and, mm. Um, I was always pretty intimidated <laughs> to be around around them. But um, one one day, actually, one of the kids got stung by a stingray. And because as my dad, he had he always travels to the beach with like really, really hot water. Um, so we had hot water and came to like the rescue. And since then, I was like indo <laughs> indoctrinated that's into great. that group of cool kids. So you were you you came as the savior, and that's how you got your in. <laughs> in in a way, yeah, I, I was the one with not like bribing for friendship with hot water when the person is in need, but it was definitely like a nice entry. Um, yeah, and you were happily point, prepared. Uh, yeah, <laughs> exactly. So really, from that point on. Um, you know, it's a lot of like these older guys at, at the beach as well. And everybody kind of like adopted me, I felt, um, which was really, really nice. Um, Cause it's not norm, you know, that's, it, there are a lot of barriers to getting into surfing. And so um, I, yeah, they really taught me like how to cross step on a longboard, like how to nose ride. Um, I started working, I got sponsored by a surf shop um, in, in, in Pacific beach. And so um during the summer i would work you know just work there during the day not mm -hmm. get paid but just like in surf wax or like at a, i got a, <laughs> a skateboard at the end of the summer um so that was kind of like my entry into into surfing that kind of crew that that'll do it huh the surf shop yeah. i remember really distinctly kind of 
of like a bag of emotions that came with entering the shop, like a little nervous kind of, cause you yeah. knew you were gonna run into some of the better surfers, yeah. you know, and like the smell of the wetsuits and the wax kind of <laughs> yeah. was this like concoction of like, <laughs> I, when I smell wax and wetsuits in a surf shop, especially now that we kind of go to shops less, it feels like, I don't know about you, yeah. but um, yeah, yeah. when I get that smell, I'm like, oh my gosh, it warps me back to not just the place, but the feelings of like going in the sure. shop being a little like, oh, like, oh, that's that guy I saw him doing air the other day. Oh my <laughs> yeah. God, he's right here. You know, and, yeah. and I know like, you know, I've, I've, I've been on the West Coast quite a bit now, but I think, and so I can compare and contrast like the mm -hmm. East Coast, West Coast surf cultures. So I, I'm not sure oh. if it's like very different, but I did kind of get a, cause I experienced the East Coast young, you know, so like being very easily influenced, but it just, it felt more special here in a way because it was Ooh. harder to access, you know? Whereas True. I went to the West Coast and it was like everywhere. It was like, everybody's a surfer. Everybody's getting changed <laughs> with us. We had to like get funneled over these, only these yeah. two bridges. Well, and now I'm speaking specifically Long Island, but like uh -huh. the way to get to the beach was very either this way or this way. You oh, know, you didn't wow. just have this broad civilization meets the ocean, you know? Sure, So yeah. like, it was just oh, that's harder. that's so interesting. Yeah, and so like, I felt like such an impact from when I did get to go into surf culture places like the shop yeah. or the beach, yeah. you know? Cause I wasn't always completely surrounded by it the way it sure. feels like in California, you know? Yeah, I mean, like San Diego where I grew up is basically like a, a beach city, like, yeah. and it, you know, and that whole stretch all the way up to, you know, Ventura and beyond and Santa Barbara and Santa Cruz, like really, yeah, it's it's kind of like a strip of <laughs> of surf culture. Yeah. Um, but I don't think, yeah, that intimidation definitely, I guess it's based on personalities as well, but for sure for me, um, like even still, you know, there there are, like such clicks uh, as well in surfing or um you know in some shops like tailor to this kind of like group and another mm -hmm, totally. so yeah i don't feel like that intimidation even if you feel like you're well positioned like in the surf sector or whatever i don't know if that ever truly goes away in the sport it's interesting <laughs> yeah it is it's it's um it's just one of those underlying things that you only kind of pick up when you're you're in. But I just kind of I do enjoy kind of thinking about it or, or talking about it and hearing others' perspectives too, because it's mm -hmm. it, it's definitely at least universal in that sense to some degree or another. Yes, absolutely. Um, sometimes the shops can like I, I think back in like feel a little old but now like in the 2000s <laughs> like, um, <laughs> like it felt like the shops like you had like the mom and pop shop that was the one kind of like I worked at uh, Mission Surf and it was just um, definitely like a family it felt a little bit like everybody who surfed at the parking lot like went in to get their wax sort of there there was mm. definitely another few different shops around but yeah it definitely felt a little bit more like a family um, but I think that's definitely changed as there's been evolution in the surf industry. Uh, you're right, like not so many people go into shops anymore, um, but definitely it's like that easy access to get your wax. Like you've got to get, you got to go somewhere to get. <laughs> yeah, 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 totally. And it's just, yeah. you know, there, there is an element too of like just recognizing the small businesses and keeping them around, you know, because yes. I think we look so forward sometimes that we forget about that the culture of these people running businesses in a brick and mortar and, there's there's still a place for that in our world, but it's up to us to make sure they exist. 
Absolutely. Um, and keep that culture still kind of uh, alive in a yeah. way. Yeah. Yeah. That's because it is a special thing. So, yeah. uh, so uh, I feel like once you got into a surf shop and you had these, you broke through a little bit into surf culture, societally, like making friends and stuff. At what age do you really feel like you started taking off? When did competition start? When did you get your, your real sponsor, like your first real yeah. sponsor? Yeah, um, for sure. Like I would say I was, well, between 13 and 14, I, I remember, um, I really felt like my first real sponsor was Mission Surf. Like it was <laughs> really like, you know, I was, sur I was surfing and um, the owner, Bob Long came over to me in the lineup and was like, hey, I, I had a whole bunch of stickers on my board. Like, I just, <laughs> I wasn't sponsored by any of those companies, but I had, you know, like Grip Curl, Billabong, Roxy, like Quicksilver, like all on the same board. Um, I didn't know that that, like, usually people who have stickers on their board are sponsored by like that company. So yeah. I just had them all. Classic Grom. Yeah. <laughs> he came over to me and he's like, wow, you sponsored by all those companies? And I was like, oh, no, no, not at all. And he's like, oh, do you want to be sponsored by a company? I was like, yeah. So um, I remember my dad took me over and um, I showed him my report card. He asked me to bring my report card. I like um, that. Yeah, and he was like, all right, yeah, we're gonna start off here, some t-shirts. And you know, it's like, it, it wasn't, there were no girl items in the shop. It was all for like guys. So, you know, it's all these like men's larges, <laughs> like she, you know, that said like mission surf. And I remember feeling like, I still remember that morning going home and just being like, this is it like this is what i'm gonna do forever like, i've made it <laughs> yeah exactly i remember i took off all the other stickers and i put like mission surf right there it was like yeah <laughs> so yeah i was about 13 or 14 um but then and then i started entering competitions um thanks to bob's support um he helped me out with like the the uh, fee for entry fees mm -hmm. um and then yeah it just slowly like being working in the shop as well was helpful because when you had reps coming in to you know to bring their their product um like i was there to greet them and mm -hmm. so um that sort of like helped me and just meet people in the surf industry and then there was the action sports um what was it called asr i think it was called um it's like a convention for the surf industry or action sports. So I would go there as well and, um, and meet people. And, um, but it really wasn't until I had a slight change of heart for wanting to be a professional surfer. Hmm. Um, I realized um, that, well, it was actually in, in high school. We did this, uh, I signed up for the social service trip, which I went more for like the social part because my friends were going and, it was to go across the border from San Diego to Tijuana and uh, work at an, an orphanage for like a, the week. And I have to say, like, I definitely lived in this kind of just kind of like surf bubble. Like um, there, I didn't growing up along the border, the wall is sort of like put stuff out of sight and out of mind. Um, mm. And it was my first time really crossing over and I remember being in this orphanage and looking across the border back to San Diego and I could see like my neighborhood and I it was my first experience really experiencing like um, um, extreme poverty and uh, working with people that were were trying to do something about it and I was really inspired by that and it kind of popped this bubble that I was living in and so I remember coming back across the border and I heard this quote that like it, if if the world was just a, comprised of a hundred people like living in a village, only one person would have 
the chance to go to college. And I felt that like, okay, well, I'm, I, I'm in that position, you know, um, I, I could apply for scholarships, you know, I could, I could, I could try, maybe try and make it. So I think it, I wrote just like a very heartfelt college essay because my grades were not <laughs> supportive of it. Um, and um, I got into the um, School of International Affairs at George Washington University in, in Washington, DC. And um, basically the school like to become a diplomat and uh, that's what I thought. I thought, okay, diplomats, they're the ones that are, you know, like are supposed to save the world and, <laughs> and make right all the wrongs. Um, that is essentially not, not the case, but um, I went to Washington DC with that intention, but um, it, was, it was difficult because I, it, it was just a culture shock for me. It was my first time go, being on the East Coast um, and being in a city away from the ocean. So uh, I, I think with you're a professional surfer, trying to be a professional athlete, your whole world is just focused on yourself. Like it's just your times, your sponsors, you know, what do you need to do? Um, and I really like just lost perspective of all of that and looked at the whole world and I didn't really see where I fit, fit into that picture. So um, I took a, a year off of school and kind of, I was no longer really like, I had taken time off from surfing because I went to, you know, to university. Um, I was no longer a university student. Like I, it really was like a period of time where I just, I didn't know where I fit in. Um, but that was the the time when I, I, I started my nonprofit and um, I, that mm. was really an experience where I, I, I went to teach um, art in <laughs> a, a Buddhist monastery in Nepal uh, with a friend. We just looked at a list of like a hundred things to do before you die. And we were like, okay, let's, let's do that. This is the time because like, I don't know what I'm doing in life. So we saved up some money and we went to live in Nepal for a summer. And there I wow. met a group of skateboarders wow. um, that were coming from uh, Skatistan. It's a nonprofit in Afghanistan that uses skateboarding as a tool for like girl empowerment. And I, it was the first moment that I had heard of like sports for development or sports used in this way. And I was, I thought like, well, I wonder if anyone's doing that with surfing. So when I went, I came back, um, yeah, I bought a book on like how to form a nonprofit for dummies. And I read like the first few pages and I was like, okay, here it goes. Like, I'm going to start a nonprofit and we're going to focus on surfing as a, as a tool for like social change and, and ecological justice and such. And, um, and the, I, I, I transferred to Georgetown University um, and switched my, my majors to do like psychology and anthropology and justice and peace studies. And I remember moving my things into my dorm room and I got an email from Billabong um, um, asking if like I'd like a sponsorship. Um, and it was just so bizarre, the timing. Wow. And I... Um, I told them about my idea about having this nonprofit and, you know, like there are so many surfers that look like me and what, what if we could use this as a platform to highlight these, these talents that are involved in these grassroots, like community-based surfing for youth empowerment programs. What if I could use my standing in the surf industry instead of like seeing another blonde haired blue line <laughs> surfer girl, like what if we had the chance to highlight, you know, a girl in Peru or a girl in India or a guy in South Africa, like, like that would be so much better for the world, like just that diversity. So, um, so that's how it started. So Villabong jumped on board and that was my wow. first like very, well, it was like a, a pretty big deal for me. And I, sure. um, thanks to them, I was with them for 
10, the past, or 10 years, um, and they supported our nonprofit um, for a decade. The timing is amazing. So Billabong didn't even know of your new idea that's just kind of sparking in your head. And they're reaching out to well, you about I, like surfing or? So I had reached out to them um, had to share this idea of, um, you know, when I, when I founded the nonprofit, I, I reached out to Megan Vila, who was in charge of the women's surf um, team at the time. And I shared with her about this idea, um, but it was, a, you know, a few months uh, after I had just started just to share with them the idea of like, you know, is there any support for like wetsuits or how can we support these clubs? Mm -hmm. And um, they came back to me with a sponsorship. <laughs> wow, that's so cool. Yeah. So can you can you talk more about your nonprofit and, and what it is yeah. you do? What did maybe how did the mission start versus how did it evolve like as you went and things like that? Yeah. That's a great question. Normally, I, I don't really get to talk about that. Um, so I appreciate that question because it's definitely been an evolution. When we first started, you know, it was before, it was just as Facebook was coming out. Um, but, you know, it was that time where it was only for like university students. Mm -hmm. um, I totally so, remember that. Yeah. So the, the idea really was like, okay, well, what if we could create a platform for the surfing organizations? Like, you know, they didn't have access to a platform where they could easily like share photos or reach people um, to share stories about what the what what they were up to. And also they're existing in places that didn't have Internet at the time and, and such. So my idea was um, to start kind of yeah like kind of like a facebook but it was a little bit like a platform just for all these different surf clubs they're all these little projects but they're all doing huge things for their communities and mm. very similar across um, um spaces so it started um with really funneling um cha like channeling funds to um these surfing organizations so one was um based in peru in lobitos the town that i'm currently in um, okay and uh, one in India and one in, in South Africa, and then more and more clubs started joining. And so instead of um, Billabong just donating wetsuits to one club, we could like spread them out for everybody. Um, and really, and then during the summers, during university, I would like fundraise and, and write grants and such. And then during the summers, thanks to Billabong, I would go um, to visit a club and be with them for my summer vacation, basically. And, it was before GoPro came out as well. So I had like this little Kodak underwater camera, you know, like filming <laughs> yes. the kids and getting hit with boards. And, <laughs> and when GoPro came out, it was fantastic because then we could just, the kids could film themselves. And so that's wow. also when we started to learn a bit about like participatory photography and the act of being a storyteller yourself and not having, like, I didn't have to do anything. They could mm -hmm. film their own surfing and tell their own stories. Um, and so that was really kind of like how it started. But then the evolution of it has been that now um, I, I realized that all of these communities that had a surfing club were all uh, fishing villages, like all small scale fishing communities. Mm -hmm. They all depended on fish for cash and calories and much needed ones, given that they're in very vulnerable populations, mm -hmm. um, you know, very, very marginalized living in rural areas or urban settings. But again, like very marginalized. So. Um, so now we we use surfing, uh, participatory storytelling, and also mindfulness as uh, like positive youth development tools to engage um, young learners in these uh, small scale fishing communities using these tools um, to 
explore their environment, but also explore their community. And we look at strengths, we look at challenges, um, but all sort of looking at the space as one social ecological system. Mm-hmm. And um, so surfing is a really fantastic tool for the kids because it cultivates this inner and outer strength, especially for the girls. So we have an all girls surf club here uh, that meets every Friday. We've got between like seven to like 13 girls coming every week, which is awesome. That's great. Um, and so they develop like, you know, some outer strength, but also this like inner cultivating this. I know I'm preaching to the choir here. Um, <laughs> no, it's <laughs> actually <laughs> great. This is why people like you make the best guests because, oh, cool. well, our listeners are going to be hearing the same theme, but from a different person. Oh, and cool. obviously, you know, I didn't tell you to say this, you know, and it's just so good <laughs> no. to, to hear the same things from different people. And, and yeah. anyway, continue. Yeah, no, but, but it's, it's really just that, like, you know, surfing is unstructured play in a wild setting, you know, like, how can that not be radical in ways yeah. that we don't even know, you know, right. like, right. we personally experience it as surfers of just like, you know, riding the energy of some storm <laughs> that right. has come to our shore. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, but for kids who have been told their whole lives that they're too poor for that, or girls who don't have many opportunities to express themselves, you know, the ocean is this beautiful um, equalizer in a way, because we all you know when we step into that space, um, you're, you're, you know, you really feel <laughs> that you're quite small um, and 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 feel like the energy of the ocean, the currents and such. And you're really just experience there for it. And totally. so um, that kind of that 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 um the way that these kids also show up to that experience. And we talk about waves in terms of metaphors, you know, these are like the challenges and you, you, you pass through them when things are hard, you know, you mm-hmm. just ride it out. Like it's, so it's, it's just, it's beautiful. It's wonderful. Yeah. So once we have that surfing kind of like the next step we usually go to is the audiovisual storytelling workshops. And that's uh, kind of a, a, a workshop series that we call coast to coast. Um, it's also registered as now like a Peruvian nonprofit, just focused on the audiovisual storytelling. But um, with um, either the same students, or they could be also students that we we work in schools as well. But essentially, you come in and we have these audiovisual tools, whether it's photography or making short films or stop motion animation or street art. Uh, we've got these these kind of creative instruments, and then the students just like, okay, what are the stories that you want to tell? And um, again, like looking also at like their cultural, natural cultural heritage as a, as a strength and not always, you know, for being told that you're too poor, or et cetera, like for, for them to realize that like they are the, they are the authors of their own lives. Like they've got to be the superhero in their story um, because no one else will be. So um, for all of us, you know, so um, then they've got these tools and they've nurtured a bit their their voice. So they're able to like express these these stories. Um, and at the beginning, we didn't ask like we didn't put any themes. We're just like, you know, whatever you want to tell. But we we realized that most of the themes were all about like either the ocean or how their identity is somehow tied to the ocean. Um, so from there, we were able to talk about like the threats to the to the ocean and therefore the threats to like our health. So yeah, plastic pollution, overfishing, coastal erosion, like you name it. Mm-hmm. Um, these kids are kind of like the I call them like the canaries on the coastline because they're really here experiencing like the climate crisis is here right now. Like mm-hmm. overfishing has a definite impact on like whether someone feels full at the end of the a day or not. So. 
um, but they don't have like a platform to really like be sounding the alarm for anyone to hear. So that's sort of like what we're really pushing right now is trying to get these stories out. Um, and then the last tool that we use is the, is mindfulness. So having doing yoga or some meditation or, or such, because once you do have a voice, um, how, how to best use that voice <laughs> to promote, you know, positivity, um, and such. So that's a bit about what the nonprofit does. Oh, so beautiful. I, I want to just go back to, you know, what you're doing with the all girls surf club. It's just like, these are the things we need for this stuff to happen. You know, the encouragement and then programs built around not just all girls getting together and surfing, but help helping them recognize how this is helping them gain confidence. This is helping them yes. empower themselves, not just mm -hmm. physically and in the ocean, mm -hmm. but realizing you take those lessons with you to life and become a better, stronger, more confident person that there too. Uh, absolutely like you you nailed it like that's exactly it and and i and i think as well as we're grappling with these these big challenges as well like i mentioned the climate crisis or or you know with gender inequalities and such like having that space to it's kind of like a lab like in the ocean in a way because mm. you're kind of you're you're always moving, you're always feeling different things there's got a lot of energy like even as a woman who i feel in uh, you know, especially surfing here in Peru, like with the machismo culture and such, like it is hard. And, but I feel like once I'm out there and I'm also feeling how difficult it is. Okay. Or like, you know, Oh, I'm feeling intimidated right now. Like it's kind of like, I'm in this lab of emotions. Like, okay, well, okay. What am I going to do with these emotions? You know, like I feel right. them coming up. Like it's, it's you're, you're, and you have to be present. You don't have like a phone or something else to be distracted from these emotions. Like you're sitting there with them in the lineup. Right, right, right. <laughs> you know, so totally. um, you're forced to face them and, and yes. manage or deal. That's yes. a really good point. So kind of like, what do you want to do with those, you know, once you get out of the water? Um, and I think that's something we also talk about with the club a little bit as well. Okay, you're scared right now, like, you know, uh, surfing your first green wave. Okay, so, you know, what, what, what do you think about that emotion? You know, like talking about that and talking it through, because then I think once we... You know, these emotions are not, um, sometimes we think of them as like monsters in a closet. Like we don't want to go open the door and look at them. But I think once you do, it's just like, oh, that wasn't really a monster. It was just, you know, intimidation. Right. Okay. Like uh -huh. I'll, I can survive that. <laughs> <laughs> but definitely as a, as a woman for like other women surfers who are listening, like it's definitely a, a challenge and for sure you paddle out and I feel like the guys look at you like, oh, that's kind of like cute that you're trying to surf, you know? <laughs> but right. then, and if you can catch a wave or such, usually there's a question about like, how long is your board? Or like these sorts of other questions come up. Mm -hmm. And so I think it's just also not, it's, it's just part of the, part of the game in a way. And, and I think slowly we're, we're changing um, the rules. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, sure. Um, that's interesting you say so about the the board like how big is the board almost like a, a like a belittling like oh you can do it because your board is big enough or is that what you mean sometimes the like I, I I grew up surfing a longboard and competed on, with longboard um, but now I'm 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 learning a bit more how to shortboard, which is quite, which is quite fun and way easier to travel with. Um, totally. But uh, yeah, I, I feel sometimes that when I'm on my longboard, the, there'll be a comment of like, oh, I wish I had a longboard as well. Then I could also, you know, catch these waves. And I was mm. like, oh yeah, um, it is easier to catch waves on a longboard. That's true. But also, <laughs> like, do you need to comment? Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> um, or it's just like a conversation piece, like, 
uh, like to break the ice, I guess. And mm. being you sometimes the only girl in the water, you're like, okay, okay. But then there's also a bit, I think the other thing that we're kind of working on with the girl surf club as well is, um, sometimes I'm not sure if other women experience this, but when you paddle out there are, and there are other women in the lineup, it can be difficult for us to also strike up a friend, like a, like a conversation as well. And I think it's because girls are so, you know, have, have learned to just like keep their head down and be, you know, act a little bit tougher in the lineup. So, um, kind of to dissuade conversation, unwanted conversations right, or, or right. just kind of like make their space. Um, and so I, I've talked about this with a few friends that sometimes when there's another girl in the lineup, you're not quite sure like how to either to make eye contact, like, okay, we're in this together, or, you know, she's very like, you know, <laughs> closed into, into her experience, which is also valid. Um, but trying to also break that and be more supportive of one another is what mm -hmm. we're also doing with the Girls Surf Club of like, okay, when your friend catches a wave, like you can Root rally for, for them. them. Happy. Yeah, yeah, exactly, yeah. exactly. Because so why not? <laughs> I guess you just answered my question, but what was kind of bubbling up in me is what is your tactic? Like when you are the mm -hmm. one approaching, well, mm -hmm. either or, a women a, a lineup where there's other women out mm -hmm. or none at all, you know, mm -hmm. and how do you wish people treated you? I'm sorry to layer up all the questions. No, on no, I actually okay. hate when people do that. <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> but I I'm just say I, I, <laughs> I have ADHD. I totally get it. <laughs> <laughs> um yeah, I mean, how would I deal? How do I deal when I'm the only girl in the lineup? Is I think just thinking of this experience that I'm having of surfing is something that I'm, especially when it's just I'm doing it for myself. I'm not teaching a class, or it's just it's it's like my safe space. It's my meditation. It's like it's really just like this intimate setting I'm having with the ocean. Um, and so happy that there are others, you know, around me and such, but um, I try to make it like a really personal ex experience. And I think once I'm focused on that, uh, all the thoughts about like, oh, I, I like, I, I, maybe I shouldn't take that wave because maybe I won't make that section and I could fall off and then everyone's going to see you or something like that. It just mm -hmm. kind of like gets a little muted. I wouldn't mm. say it completely goes away, um, but it's, 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 it's more about what do I really want to get out of this experience today of being in the ocean? Um, Cause I think as you go back, keep returning to the ocean, it just becomes more and more sacred or more and more this like beautiful relationship that you're having. And so it's less kind of about everybody else, mm. but um, yeah, if there is another girl out there or even it's just, just humans, other humans, <laughs> um, I'm, I, I try to just keep, person like just i don't know be friendly just just smile like like root people on if someone got a good wave like just say like wow like, your wave was so good like mm. <laughs> like that's awesome that's just good vibes i heard the funniest thing recently where my uh, a friend was just like sometimes you just gotta clip the red wire and, and hope it doesn't blow and, and he was <laughs> yeah. referring to like that kind of a person where you're not sure they look really like tuned in and zoned in but you want to like you're the only two surfers or for some reason it feels awkward not to acknowledge them. Yes. So he's like, you know, he was like, sometimes you just got to like clip and like. Uh. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it just reminds Absolutely. me of that, like just clip the wire, you know, and, and, and yeah. hope it doesn't blow. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Because like really, if you go up to someone and say like, oh, wow, that was an epic wave. Like, 
I think what's the worst that could happen? Right. Like maybe, <laughs> maybe there's going to be a comment or such, but like maybe, like everybody. No, usually likes they to... snap out of it and they're like, "Oh, thank." Who doesn't like yeah. being complimented on their? Yeah, room? <laughs> exactly. Or like if you got a barrel, like you would want someone else to like also see, like, "Whoa," you know. Like, totally. Yeah. So. And then another tactic I have is asking, especially like the girls, if I see one has a watch, is asking what, like, oh, what time is it? Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's kind of a nice icebreaker. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, it's just like, you know, there's, I think it, the Dalai Lama had this quote of like, you know, be kind whenever possible. And it's like always possible. Like it's all, always possible to choose kindness if you right. want. So I like that. Just kind of leading with that. <laughs> well, I'm just so happy that you said all that because, you know, naturally a lot of people start to see me as someone they can ask questions. And, and I love that. Ooh. Like that's who I want to be a person who can, even if I don't know necessarily the answer, work through it with them. But this yeah. is one of those things that, maybe a woman a woman will ask me and i don't feel qualified to say you know i don't have mm-hmm. the experience i don't have the mm-hmm. the position in the world to say mm-hmm. it and i don't want to be like i don't want to overstep my boundaries so i, I this sure, is the sure. question i often have for my women guests when i get them sure. is like these kinds of things you guys can help yeah. me answer <laughs> these kinds of questions because like i said I, <laughs> yeah. I you know i i can't genuinely honestly answer that question i can only sure. think answer what i perceive but that's right. based on my male experience in life and, sure. and it's always been male so it's you sure. know it's just so good to i i do i i feel like it's really important uh this is actually bringing me back to something you said earlier but to to do your best to get your mind opened up you know through mm-hmm. talking and the other mm-hmm. was travel you know one thing i've always oh, right, believed yeah. in my life how travel opens up your your world and your mind it's such a good mm-hmm. educator and especially mm-hmm. it, it just it's really it's really appropriate that you were saying how you struggled in school because all it took was a good trip south of the border <laughs> to be like oh my god like yeah. I, I the world is so much bigger than what i've been experiencing and especially Absolutely. when you're young too to experience that when you're young and to 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 get that revelation of like mm-hmm. the walls breaking down and to see land mm-hmm. beyond it is like wow mm-hmm. There's yes. things just right over the fence that are so different from the way I live. Yes, um, absolutely. Yeah, but... Absolutely. And surfing is such a, I mean, it's a vehicle where we're, we are prone to travel to places that, to, you know, know a different wave. And, and I think um, the, it, it's, it's really nice because you, you have kind of the, something that you know, which is the ocean, but it, it'll be a little bit different no matter where you go. Um, and then you have communities that are, you know, ocean dependent directly, like natural resource dependent. Um, and so I think once, you know, growing up in Southern California, I didn't see that so much until I did start traveling and see the ocean as much more than just a playground, but also as like our life support system on this mm-hmm. planet. So I also think that that travel, that responsible travel or that responsible tourism um, can be really helpful for, you know, like um, engendering these emotions. Wow. So cool. Um, now, so you're in Peru right now and, and helping with this group. Are you, you said you move around and visit the other ones too though, right? Uh, yes. So, um, we usually spend half the year in Peru and then, um, this was all also before COVID, but, and then, uh, another six months and like working with another community. So, um, the last one that we were was I was in Vietnam, um, but I kind of piggybacked on a. We usually uh, apply for grants for funding, um, or um, I participated in a couple fellowships. So I was in Vietnam on a, a Fulbright fellowship with uh, National Geographic. So um, 
that was really, it was really awesome to, I actually worked with, uh, lived at a sailing school that was connected with uh, the WSL, the World Surf League, um, wow. their nonprofit arm. Uh, um, I had, I knew that we were heading, I was heading to Vietnam to do, it was more for research for doing, um, I went back to school to get my master's um, in marine biodiversity and conservation. So um, I studied basically like social ecology um, and how, my research approach is like learning about human interactions um, with through fish with and and the um, basically like how fish the less fish in the ocean are equaling more problems for fishing communities. Right. So you take away fish, it doesn't just become a village. Like these are very very intricately tied communities to their ocean. So um, in Vietnam, my research was really understanding, yeah, the impacts of low fish availability on like social ecological well-being for these communities. Um, but before I headed over, we had participated in this like WSL um, wide uh, beach cleanup. Um, so we did one in, in Southern California. And then I saw that there was a group that did one in Vietnam. And so I reached out to this uh, sailing school called Manta. And they're the only, they're the only sailing school in, in Vietnam. And they actually train wow. local fishermen to become sailing instructors. So it just like, they still fish, but it eases their the necessity to perhaps like lead on overfishing because they're able to also get income as a sailing instructor. So mm -hmm. I lived at the sailing school, like in the back <laughs> and was able to do workshops from, from there to Vietnam, um, which was an awesome experience. And surf culture definitely is, 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 is there in Vietnam. They've got some really like, they, they can get some good swells and there's this little community there that's growing in numbers. So what, what, um, where were you exactly? Cause I was actually in Vietnam in, in oh, 20, wow. early, early 20, basically right as everyone was starting to be like, Hmm, this whole COVID thing is getting pretty big. Oh. That's when I was there and I was going down the coast from North to South. And no I was way. like, look at these little surf towns. I couldn't what? believe my, my eyes. I was, I didn't, it was just a trip with my wife, just like, a, yeah. you know, let's go do that. And I was like, yeah. sure, because every trip we do is around surfing. So I was That's like, yeah, so let's funny. do this. And I then I found there at that time, too. Really? That is so yeah. funny. That's <laughs> why I had to ask, like, where? so yeah. where were you? In Munay. Did you know yes. Munay? Yes, that's what? where I was. I'm not <laughs> even kidding. so crazy. Yeah, just for yeah. a couple of days. But I was just, like, blown yeah. away by all the wind, uh, the kiting and the, yes. the yes. windsurfing and the surfing. Cause I really didn't do zero water sport search before, you know? Like, I was right. like, I'm right. going there yeah. to you know, just go on a fun cultural trip and, and see more oh of the world. Um, but anyway, That's I rent for one day, I was like, I have to just say I surfed in Vietnam. So I rented yeah. a soft top and got a couple no waves way. up. In yeah. Monet? Yeah. What? That's unbelievable. Yeah, I was I was there for six months. Um, yeah, working That's with mind the blowing. That's so yeah. funny. There's the, you know, the fishing community is just off to the kind of like on the hill over to the left side. And then you go and it's all like the hotels I, and such. So yeah, it's a really interesting location. It. Yeah. That's so fun. That's unbelievable. Yeah. So yeah, I brought my longboard and I joined like with the local surf, you know, crew. It was really cool. So, and do you get to surf a bunch? Like since you're surfing with all, with all these groups and stuff, do you get to, you go out with them? Awesome. Yeah, That's yeah, great. I do. It's, <laughs> you know, it's, it's, it's pretty nice because, you know, some people I think have this still this kind of mind about charities is like, oh, it's like such self-sacrifice and, you know, you're, you're giving so much or giving back and such. And I, I have a different relationship with like really our nonprofit because all of the, 
you know, what normally would be called the beneficiaries, but really all the people that we work with, they're all like friends, you know, the fishermen or all the kids, like they're all weird. Like we, surfing is so wonderful in the, the way that it establishes, builds trust with people because yeah, when I take kids from their families and bring them to the ocean and then bring them back alive, like at the end of the day and happier than when they left the house, like that builds a lot of trust. And then family members start to like talk about issues with me or talk about stuff that they want to do their own initiative. Mm. So instead of like a charity, it's really just like, you know, if your friend called you and said, oh, I need help, like moving out of my house today, like you'd go help them because they're mm -hmm. your friend. And so it's a little bit of the same logic with the people that we work with. Um, and so, yeah, it, I think that's, that's also a really wonderful thing about, about surfing. And, and, and I also get to surf, which is fantastic. You know, I don't really feel like this is some self-sacrifice that I'm, I'm doing. It's, well, that's it's really great. Just, yeah, because it, because it's obviously so much value you bring to the world. But, you know, it makes so much sense to me that if the beginning inspiration, like really the seed that that was the beginning of all this was surfing, you know, and yeah. that's what caused you to, you know, I mean, obviously other things kind of like stimulated growth, yeah. but like the, the soul of it and the essence of and passion of your life was surfing. And that's how Billabong yeah. was able to get on board. And so it make it only makes sense that you continue doing that and honoring the sport and the tradition, you know, by <laughs> keeping yourself in the water and doing the thing that basically like yeah. was the original investment in it all, you know, your, your yeah. ability as a surfer. Well, I mean, it's, it's, I, I mean, I'm sure like it feels probably the same for you. Like I couldn't imagine life without it. Like right, I just, you course. know, it's, it's, <laughs> it's just part. <laughs> we are still surfers. We just found a way to be able to do it all the time while we work too. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Like I live in a fishing village, but specifically because there's also a wave, you know, just yeah, yeah, five yeah. minute walking, you know, out, out the front door. But yeah, I think. Once you get bit by the bug, like it's hard to stop. <laughs> but the, the great thing about it is like, it's so easily justified, you know, and I'm sure it's so inspirational. Like even even now as, as we've become better surfers, uh, I'm so inspired by other surfers, especially yes. good surfers, you know, and when yes. they go by you on a wave and you're paddling over it and there's just certain experiences that you have in the water with other surfers, that's like, wow. Yes. And it, yes. I feel like the kids that you're working with having you be able to sail by them on a wave and like show them how it's done without words, just doing it and being yeah. connected to the world and, and the yeah. ocean in that way. I think it yeah. must be so, ins I, I know it oh, is so cool. inspirational oh, cool. to them, you know, so you have <laughs> oh, to keep surfing. Cool. I'm saying, thanks. <laughs> <Keep it> <laughs> <laughs> oh, I appreciate it. And, and it's, it's also really, really cool right now that, um, that we've been working with kids for some time now. And so like there's the older kids and there's even like an older, well, she's in her early twenties, but a girl that like looks like the younger girls, you know, like I don't really look like the girls uh, from this community, but you know, they have a different body type, different hair, like and such. Mm -hmm. And, and so to see also like an older version of themselves, like, you know, who they, with who they look like, you know, also just like shredding. And it's, it's, that is also just, incredible because like I can make that distinction as a girl in the water and also among the boys like I know when I worked with a girl a surf club in India um in southern India um in the local language it's Malayalam and they have you know different words you would use for a man versus a woman and so in the water they use the 
the, they would talk to me as if I was a man. And then when I got out of the water, they would use the words as like for a woman. Hmm. So that was kind of interesting, but then it, it, it slowly changed where then, then they started to call me like a woman in the ocean as well, like use those words. And so it also just like being a woman and working with the, the boys as well is like kind of cool because they're like, oh, okay. Like <laughs> they see that distinction. But for the girls, I think it's really important as well that they see themselves like on the on the wave. And that's the benefit of like putting in the time and working with kids over many years right. just to see like the, the older growth and the generations yeah. turn over. So yeah. to change the subject a little bit, um, you know, calling this the kook cast is basically a way of helping people realize right off the bat of what they're getting into and that that's, um, you know, surfing is often very kooky for people, especially as they learn. <laughs> Um, and yes. I think it's a lot of fun to hear from stories, especially the better, more accomplished surfers. You're like, oh, they never kook it. For sure. There's the classic where like on a longboard, especially if you're on a single fin um, and you you turn too quickly, like you just pancake into the wave. Like it's <laughs> like a, a sea star, like into the wave. So that's happened to me a couple of times in front of in, the, in a crowded lineup, which is just a really nice, humbling experience. <laughs> <laughs> Just this pancake into the wave. Um, right. I know just uh, the one. Yes. Um, and well, for sure, I, I remember this one time um, I was just before a competition and we were paddling out. We were waiting for like the horn to sound. And uh, I jumped off my board and was just like, you know, like floating in the in the in the water a little bit. And I dove down um, just to like, you know, just be in silence for a moment. And um, when I came back up, I mistimed it. So my the rail of my board was here when I popped up. And I just, I went straight up and I broke my nose. Oh my gosh. And we were just have, about to start the competition. And so I, I, it just, there was blood everywhere. The other <laughs> girls were like, get away from me. You know, like it was, it was definitely not my nicest moment. It was like this Roxy competition in San Onofre in San Diego, which is like a big deal at, at the time when it was, going for longboards so um that was definitely like a kooky moment where it was just like there was there was nothing it wasn't like the wave hit me or anything it was like my right. own i just right. face into just the board collide with my board <laughs> exactly right before the competition um so oh yeah but like there definitely those like tricky instances especially now like learning to shortboard where i'll duck dive and then i'm coming back up but I've mistimed it. So I'm still kind of in the crest of the wave and you're just get thrown <laughs> back, you know? Oh, that's so, too funny. I know that one. Yeah. That reminds me, you know, that's so funny. That reminds me of when I was like a kid and for some reason, the, the times you need to have the best duck dive when it's the most crucial of a moment, the biggest of a wave, just pitching and you can totally make it if you do it all right. But that's yeah. when you like, you do a half-ass one, or you do one that's like yeah. a little clumsy, and then you just yes. kind of float up to the lip and get sucked yes. back or something. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> and you're I like that exactly feeling of one. like, oh no, what do I do? Yes. Like, <laughs> yes, yes, because you're like, especially because you see, you know what's gonna happen yep. to you, and there's no getting out of it, uh. you know. Or the times that, especially here, like the local guys would be like, you know, calling you the wave, like, all right, this is your wave, you know, like this is the one, and you're like this is so much pressure. Like, yeah, you know, yeah, like yeah. so I don't much pressure. <laughs> yeah, I can't, I can't. But if you like, you gotta do it or you gotta just not do it, but you cannot have right. to Right, right, <laughs> there's the no right. yeah. hesitation yeah. kills. Yes, exactly. That's, that's a definite wipeout, the hesitation. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> and so do, are you coming back to the States at all and visiting family? I know it's tough. I guess it's getting a little easier now, but uh, have yeah. you been back in, in California? And, and I have, I have actually, yeah. I um, Well, I did, I was lucky to, enough to do my master's in San Diego at um, the oh, okay. Scripps Institution of Oceanography at mm -hmm. uh, UCSD. Mm -hmm. So I was in San Diego. I, I traveled like a couple different times. Um, so I was... I was there for like four month periods right. <laughs> doing my master's. Um, and then um, during um, July and August, we were back in San Diego as well um, to visit some family and get vaccinated. Um, and then, um, but yeah, uh, usually uh, I would go back for just like two, two months or so um, out of the year, which is really, you know, that's pretty lucky um, for me to do just to see family and also just like have connect with with Southern California um but um but yeah really I do feel that kind of like Peru is is my home at, um for, that, for now that's what I was yeah. gonna ask is like what yeah. is that feeling of like so now that you've been traveling so much like what's mm -hmm. home you know what really feels yeah. like home when you get there you know is it yeah. still the states or is it now Peru and it's it's kind of isn't it amazing how that can change it absolutely like I know you mentioned yourself you travel like for a part of the year as well like um, mm -hmm. and and so for sure there are different aspects of home that I get here um, that are others that I get in Southern California but like I did I, since I was in Vietnam for even just half a year it did feel like there are things that I miss about Vietnam that I'm sure totally. if I came back there would be that kind of sensation of familiarity which mm -hmm. I think is kind of like that that element of home so um yeah i i i kind of feel like i've become this chameleon that just like will show up to a place and just like try and adapt you know like with colors and <laughs> camouflage itself <laughs> so i i kind of feel at home wherever i go as long as the ocean is within like 15 minute maximum in a car ride away. Right, right. I guess that's really what does it, huh? Is, is like the ocean's yeah. got to be nearby for it to qualify or make the list as, as a potential home. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Absolutely. I think just having that ability to go and see a horizon where mm -hmm. there's just, it, it's it's just like a, a way to center myself. I think I, I feel not even because sometimes we've worked with communities where it's just been too polluted to actually even go in the ocean and there we're just doing our our storytelling workshops um but i think as long as i can kind of just like see the horizon i feel i feel a little bit like at home mm -hmm. cool yeah. well emmy thank you so much for for joining me on this uh recording it was so yeah. nice to hear more about it like i said the for me it's just such a pleasure to hear from someone themselves um, in this kind of free form, you know, you didn't get a chance yeah. to like prepare any, well, I'm, I'm sure you've been preparing all the time, you know, every well. day that you think about it, of course, but you yeah. know, like just be put on the spot and to talk about what you're doing. It's, it's the most special way that I, you know, I love to hear about things. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it is kind of like talking to someone in a lineup as well. Like, you don't research who they are. Right, like, you have no right. idea what natural. they do. Yeah, right. it's just, yeah. I mean, that, that's the thing that we have in common is, is surfing. I'm sure there are other things that, that uh, you know, I can tell you things about wave riding that you're going to be like, yeah, I totally know what you're talking about. And I think that's the beautiful thing of even if you're, you're just starting to surf, like, if you felt that energy pushing you in the water, like, you know what mm -hmm. we're talking about. Like, right. there, it's just really difficult to forget that sensation. I think that's why 
we keep going back. <laughs> but um, but yeah, I really appreciated this. And I'm also happy to like, um, I don't know, leave my contact information if people want to be in touch about our projects or just surfing in general as a woman. I'm happy. Definitely. To do that. That's actually, uh, I wanted to ask you that earlier and I'm glad you brought it up again, but I just wanted to know how can people get involved? How can they follow you yeah. and stay in the loop, you know, and just yeah. help help your what you're doing grow more and, and just bring more awareness so that, you know, because you never know like who's out there and just is like, yeah. oh my gosh, this is speaking to my my soul right now. Yeah. I need to be a part of this. I want them to have that chance. But, so go perfect. ahead. What, what's the best way for them to, I don't know, involve themselves? Yeah, yeah perfect. I mean, best way is like get in touch with me. Um, we have a, a, a website, um, which I, I can provide the links, but um, if off the top, it's it's beyondthesurfaceinternational.org. And then um, if you write to me at emmy at beyondthesurfaceinternational.org, I will get back to you. Um, but yeah, we have lots of opportunities. I mean, we have a volunteer program here in Peru that people can come down and work with us. Um, we're looking to trying to figure out the situation with COVID to open up the other locations still. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, like we're, we're super happy to work with, with, with people who are just interested in surfing, interested in, in art also, um, storytelling, conservation. Uh, we kind of runs the gamut. So our um, fishing as well. <laughs> but awesome. um, yeah, just reach out and I'm happy to get in touch. Great. Thank you so much.